What a week it's been. So much to talk about, and so many things we can't talk about. Get back! Eight-legged freak! Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching! I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a little bit different than most of our episodes. Again, most of the time, we're talking wrestling. This is a wrestling podcast. That's what we talk about. And normally, it's uh, that involves talking about the stupid and dumb uh, things that have happened throughout the course of wrestling history. But last year, during Halloween, we or Halloween time, even though we're a little bit late, um... We took a week and we talked about a horror movie called Scream, and that is because our patron saint, Mr. David Arquette, is stars in that movie. So we figured we would do the same thing this year for Halloween, and we would take a horror movie starring our patron saint, David Arquette, and talk about that for Halloween week, even though we're two days late and Halloween was was two days ago. Doesn't matter, it's close enough. It's close enough. So uh, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the absolute cinematic masterpiece that is Eight-Legged Freaks, starring our patron saint, David Arquette. So I'm looking forward to talking about this. Um, Harris just watched the movie for the first time. I saw it maybe uh, maybe a year or two ago for the first time and then then rewatched it for this. So that's what we're going to talk about. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at Behind underscore Gorilla and Instagram at behind underscore gorilla. That's where we tweet a bunch of random stuff about David Arquette and uh, our wrestling stuff and and all that crap. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, Harris. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. I think I realized, I don't know if this made it into the episode or not, but I realized on the air, like as we were recording last week, that I haven't seen Eight-Legged Freaks. And I was like, oh, that's what we're going to do. But I didn't bring it up because I didn't want Mark to be like, what? You haven't seen it? What are you doing? You know? <laughs> I was I was more low key about it, but yeah, no, I'm excited, and it's always nice. Not that this is you know a lot of work, at least not for me. <laughs> but it's always nice when we can sit down and just watch one thing, like yeah. do an episode about one pay per view, or in this case around Halloween, one David Arquette movie, or when you made the documentary, one David Arquette movie. Right. It's, it's easier than having to dig through the network for like 10 consecutive weeks to find all of the different IRS segments that last 30 <laughs> seconds. You know what I mean? It's oh, a yeah. good change of pace. It is. It makes it a lot easier. And it's it's one of the reasons why my, my other podcast, the Uncaped Crusaders Review, I've been able to keep up with a little bit more regularly than this one because that's exactly what me and my buddy Ian do on that. We just watch a handful of episodes of either Batman the Animated Series or Batman uh, the 1966 show and then review those episodes. So it's a little bit easier than actually having to, to write a topic each each week right. or every other week. So I, I agree. I agree. It is kind of a nice thing where, because again, the next topic, it's my turn next. So when I remembered that, I was like, oh yeah, we're just watching Eight-Legged Freaks. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have another week. Yep. Yep. All right. We're not talking Woo. wrestling anymo- anymore. Nope. We're talking... Nope. But it doesn't matter because we're talking David Arquette, which is just as important as wrestling is to this show. And um, we're talking about 
one of one of David Arquette's masterpieces for sure. And it is the horror comedy from 2002, Eight Legged Freaks. Get back! Eight Legged Freaks! Harris, you know, you watched this movie for the first time. Why don't you give us a brief, just a brief rundown of this movie? You know, just, mm. just, just very brief. Okay, so let me tell you something, first of all, that I know you'll find funny. I remember hearing about this movie as a very small child. And I don't know if you, if your childhood was like this, but, you know, there's a certain point as a kid when, like, every TV show you see that's, like, meant for grownups looks cool and right. edgy and exciting. And every horror movie you see looks terrifying. And at some point as sure. you get older, you realize, wait, some things are bad and dumb and, like, this doesn't <laughs> look good. But I remember, I mean, it, it must have been like a trailer for this movie's theatrical release or something. I saw it on TV as a kid in 2002, so I would have been like six or seven. And I remember, and I, when the line happened in the movie, I knew it. Hearing David Arquette shrieking, you ain't like it, freaks! <laughs> and it's all these, it's these spiders crawling around, terrifying the town. And I was, I was like, that looks horrifying. Like as a kid, I was like, yikes, that's not for me, thank you. And then I'm pretty sure I completely put that movie out of my mind for like the next 20 years of my life. <laughs> Until we started doing this podcast and I was like, wait, David Arquette was in that movie? And then, you know, and now we're here and I watched it this week. And I had a blast with this movie, Mark. This movie is a ton of fun. This yes, is, it is. It's... It's basically, for those not familiar, if you didn't do the, the, the reading this week and watch this movie with us, it's basically like a 1950s atomic age like sci-fi horror movie. Yep. Just made almost beat for beat exactly the same with a few exceptions in the year 2002. That's, that's really what it is. It's a small town. And there's a sheriff with her kids, and she's, you know, a single mother, so there's some friction in the house. And there's a plucky protagonist who who just came back from out of town, and he's here to he's he's here to, you know, change things in the town because he's an outsider. That's the David Arquette character. He's great. He is. And then a, a barrel of toxic waste got spilled in the pond, and it makes the spiders grow way bigger. And next thing you know, they're attacking the town. It's yep. It's it's great. It's that premise is that's it. That's the movie. Yeah. Like it literally if they if you told me that they had a script and they just never like it got caught in production limbo for 50 years and then they made it, I'd I'd believe that. Yeah. For the most part, the spiders are CGI. They're not like they're not great, but it's not bad. For, for but like for 2002 it, or yeah. two, it, it's it's not it's not bad. For, no, for, for the time period it was. For a low-budget no, yeah. horror movie from 2002, you're like, it's not bad. Like, you know, the look of him isn't great, but, like, the movement's actually pretty good, you know? So yeah. it's not – yeah, it, it, it's and serviceable. Like, and what they do, like, it's – you said it yourself. Like, it is a horror comedy. There are bits where it's not played completely straight. There's goofier elements to yep. it that they lean into. But, but that's like, the best part. Well, this is not – this is just what I was going to say. This is not like Birdemic. This is not something where it's like, oh, 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 it's intentionally bad. Like, No. No, they play it straight a lot of the time. And like the gra like the spiders, the CGI graphics and stuff, it's – for 2002, it's not bad. There's mm. way worse stuff you can find in like yes. way bigger movies around this time. 
In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I know we we respect the Spider-Man films in this house. I know you respect Tobey Maguire more than I do. The spiders in this movie look a lot better than some of the animation in Spider-Man 1. Like, All right, I, I only a, vastly disagree, but that's fine. Some of that. Okay, well, we won't get into that then. But I had a blast watching this movie, and I think it's a really fun – like, you have to know what it is and appreciate it for what it is. But yeah. This is the kind of movie, too, where, like, if you know David Arquette or you know a little bit about David Arquette, you're like, I, I see why he wanted to do this. Like, this was made <laughs> for him because it's a great combination of just goofy humor and also, like, classic yeah. love letter to old Hollywood movies. Yep. It's the perfect movie for him, and I had a blast watching this. I really did. Yeah, this is – you can literally sum this whole movie up in, like, three sentences. It's – or maybe even two. It's like to- toxic waste gets spilled into a pond. Crazy spider guy who collects spiders uh, gets crickets out of the tox- toxic waste pond and feeds them to like a hundred different species of spiders, creating giant killer spiders. That's it. That's it. Just simple to the point. You don't need to make it complicated. You don't need to overthink it. Everything makes, lo- I mean, as far as, you know, it-, it being giant toxic waste spiders, everything flows very logically throughout this movie <laughs> okay like for, for a dumb premise like the way people behave the way stuff takes place it all flows so if you want we can kind of walk through the movie and just talk about our favorite moments i do oh, I, got, say, I got a bunch of stuff to talk about yeah you're more familiar with this than i am so i, I well not by much talk- i've only seen it i'd only seen it one time before i rewatched it oh this wow week. oh okay yeah it's not like one i grew up with like i i watched this for the first time like maybe a year or so ago Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay, so let me just say this then before we kind of start walking through the synopsis. One of my favorite things about this movie is that, like, it's not a complete farce, right? Like, there are things they thought through and take seriously. And I think the best example of that is that they were very careful to say, hey, here's the different species of spiders this guy has. Here's how they work. And then when they grow to giant, it's not like, oh, there's big spiders. It's like, no. There's a tarantula, and mm-hmm. there's trapdoor spiders, and there's orb weavers, and they all hunt people in and different the ways. And there's the jumping spiders, and yes, there's all these different say, things. Ju- they do different things in different ways. Yeah. So, like, I was – and, you know, you, you watch a movie like this, and you can tell they're kind of playing it for laughs at some points, and they know it's like a throwback to old 50s, you know, B-movies or whatever. And there's a moment where, where a character – it's uh, David Arquette's aunt and her, and her cat, I believe mm-hmm. – Go down to the basement. There's a big hole in the basement that leads, you know, kind of into the tunnels that run all throughout the city because it's a mining town. It's a whole thing. And the spider kind of like pops out and webs her up and snatches her. And you're like, why? It's like, why is the spider following the rules of like a jump scare? Which is, (laughs) you know, because that's what it is. Like it's built up. There's tension. She goes downstairs. She's like, cat, where are you? I don't remember her cat's name. It's a dog. Oh, is it a dog? It I'm is sorry. a dog. I'm sorry. It doesn't it's matter. A dog. It's She's fine. like, oh, where are you, buddy? Where are you? And she looks around and she looks scared. And then boom, you know, there's the spider. I was like, what? And then I was like, no, wait. That That's what they do. They like sit back and they stay hidden. And then they boop, they jump out and they get you. And yeah. like, we saw them do that when they were normal spiders in cages. Like that's, that's how they behave. And I was like, huh, that's a weirdly smart thing for this movie to have. You know, you're like, yeah, that's that, that I don't know that I ever thought I would say this, but like, yeah, that is how giant mutated spiders would hunt. (laughs) 
You know, you're like, right. no, that checks out. The jumping spiders do like they just they they chase their prey down. It's a little comical to look at, but you're like, yeah, no, that 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 tracks. Yeah, it just the, looks unusual because we're not used to spiders being that big. But like the spider behavior is 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 pretty accurate. As weird as that is to say, yeah, like they thought through the uh, it's it's this is a wrestling podcast, right? Like they thought through the booking of the spiders very well. <laughs> Yeah, and and the other thing as far as just the plot goes, because there's a whole other plot to this movie other than the spiders, and and it's actually a decent plot. Like, it could have been a movie in and of itself. Like, it could have been just a drama, and you take the spiders out. But the whole thing with the corrupt mayor trying to sell the town and the and the gold mine, you know, and get everyone to leave, but the one guy who comes back is like, no, my dad said there's gold here. Like, that could have been a movie in and of itself. Like, that's like a, a low-level drama, like, decent plot. You know and, what I realized? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, you know, and then then you just add the spiders to it. And so, like, there's even a decent movie in there, even without the spiders. Right. Which I think is what you want from any horror movie. Like, you talk about Scream. Yeah. You want you like you like Nev Campbell's character. She's You're right. Cool. You know, yep. that's that does exist in this movie. You're like, all right, this kid's a dork, but he knows he's a dork. And like, he's he's fun to be around. David Arquette is obviously David Arquette. Scarlett Johansson is in this yeah, movie, yeah, I'm which gonna I t- did not know. Got yeah. about halfway through and I was like, hold on a second. Wait, you didn't... I had to pause the it movie. It took you halfway through the movie? Maybe not halfway. I was like, wait a second, because she's young. She's a baby. Yeah. And I was not expecting anyone I knew other than David Arquette to be in this movie. Yeah. That was hysterical. But yeah. anyway, I... I I digress a little bit. I thought, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Here's what I thought watching this. It actually because you you know exactly like where all of this is going. But like we talked about with AEW earlier, like that's not a bad thing if it's done well. And no. if there's a few interesting wrinkles in there. So like, is the woman a single mother? Oh yeah, absolutely she is. Uh, is her daughter? Running with a bad crowd because, you know, she's a teenager and she's working through some stuff and she's got no dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely happening. Is the kid a dork and they fight with the sister all the time? Oh, yeah. Does David Arquette's character, who's making this dramatic return to the town, have a long suppressed crush on the mother? Oh, absolutely. Is he spending the whole movie trying to (laughs) articulate his true feelings for her? You bet your butt he is. That's exactly what's happening. Yep. But it's done pretty well. And the thing I thought watching this is like if they had set this movie in the 80s so it had felt more like the throwback that it really is i think this would have been better received like right off the bat i think this could have been like a cult classic right away if this movie came out in the 80s and had like a ton of good practical effects it would be on everyone's halloween list every year something like i don't know if you ever saw the 80s remake of the blob Mm -mm, no oh that's a phenomenal movie very much in this vein the only difference is it came out 20 years beforehand and uses great practical effects instead yeah. of actually pretty good CGI effects. Very similar movie, very similar vibes. And it's like it reminded me of something like Stranger Things. I yeah, think watching yeah, it fair. now. Well, because now with, it looks like a throwback because 2002 exactly. was so long ago. <laughs> right. I, I, I genuinely think it could get like a little bit of a revival because you watch it now. And yeah, you're like, oh, this great throwback movie. Like if it were set in the present. It doesn't work as well because it is such a throwback script and a throwback movie. You're right. It works a lot better now because you're like, oh, yeah, vintage David Arquette. Not (laughs) I paid $20 to see this in theaters. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I want to talk about the the kids because uh, you got Scarlett Johansson and you have Scott Tara. 
Scarlett Johansson playing Ashley Parker, mm-hmm. and then uh, Scott Terry playing Mike Parker, and they're both phenomenal. Like these, both of these guys are fantastic. Obviously, Scarlett Johansson is is a great actress, and you can even see that in this. Also, she's still incredibly attractive, even though she's seventeen. And um, not not touching that comment. Nope, at nope, all. nope, 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 nope. No, nothing more nope. to be said about that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but but the kid. Um, the kid's great. I thought the kid was great, and I love their dynamic. I thought they played really well. Like, you totally buy that these are siblings. Like, 100%. Everything they do makes perfect sense with how siblings right. act, and I I, and I enjoyed watching that. It's a hard line to draw, I think, having siblings who hate each other, but it's not completely unrealistic. Like, if yeah. you go too far, you end up with the Home Alone family, and I like those movies, but, like... They're just mean people in that. You get that these two kids are a family because they don't hate each They just bug each other. You know? like No pun intended. Right. It's a, it is a good dynamic. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Also, there's even more of a connection between those two characters. All right, here, just, just bear with me for a second because there's a lot of hoops okay. we got to jump through. Oh, boy. You have Daredevil and Black Widow as siblings in this movie. With uh, Scott Tara and Scarlett Johansson. Because, wait, 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 wait. because the very next year, 2003, Scott Tara plays young Matt Murdock in the Daredevil movie, which also involves toxic waste. <laughs> and Scarlett Johansson then plays Black Widow, named after a spider. Boom. There's a lot of crossover with those two characters. Let me just say. We got the board with the string. We're wheeling it out. We're making connections. It's all coming together, baby. Yep. There's a lot of connections that intertwine with this movie. Just saying. We got Marvel, Marvel superheroes, Toxic Waste, and Spiders all combining with those two uh, with those two characters. That's fantastic. I am a little surprised that this kid never really went on to do much else. I don't know if that's I mean, one of those things too. where like he was a kid actor and he just burned out and was like, no, yeah. I don't want to do this. Could have or if work went away, like once he hit puberty and quit being, you know, so young and adorable, he's good. He and is it's good. hard to be a precocious kid in believably. a movie like this and not believably and not be annoying. Yeah. Yes. And he pulls yes. that off. I think, again, that's kind of that's one reason it reminds me of Stranger Things, because you see this kid and you're like, yeah, OK, OK. Like, I believe this and I like him and I like the dynamic he has with David Arquette. I think part of what makes that work is that they were willing to lean into this being a horror comedy and like not quite break the fourth wall, but they poke at it a lot. Yeah. Like when he meets David Arquette, he's like, all right, look, here's the thing. I'm paraphrasing. Obviously there's giant spiders and I I've got the evidence, but you're not going to believe me because I'm just a kid and nobody believes the kid. And you're you, the audience (laughs) are like, well, yeah, okay, good. So we can just skip that part of the story. Right. Right. It's great. It's not bogged down with unintentional character drama that's forced into a lot of these movies like that. With those same tropes of drama where, oh, the kid won't be believed. and It's like we just skip over all that crap and we, yeah. we don't bog it down. And this movie is very light. It's very light. It moves very well from one thing to another and it never sludges through any unnecessary scenes. Absolutely. Even the scenes where like – this was the closest I came to rolling my eyes a little bit is Scarlett Johansson's character, Ashley, young, kind of troubled, dating yeah. a boy she couldn't be dating, rolling with people she shouldn't be rolling with. Right. And the mom's like, all right, here, take this, take this taser for protection. She's like, mom, I don't need that. I'm not going to be like, you. you know, like whatever. Like it's, you've seen that dynamic. You've seen that right. movie before. 
But it's also a very believable conversation that just took oh, place. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not complaining about that. But then you're like, oh, boy, there's going to be a scene where the boyfriend takes things too far too fast. And she's going to yep. be like, no, I don't want to do that. It's the next scene. It lasts yeah. like a minute. And then you just move right on. You're like, but, all right, but, yeah, here we go. But great. another thing <laughs> that's great about this movie is, and I guess I was going to talk about this later, but might as well do it now. There's a bunch of really well set up payoffs in this movie. And the taser is one of them. Really well done, because then it ends up being a big thing at the end of the movie, having a spark generator, and you're like, wow, they set that thing up and, and developed it really well, because yeah. where where you forget, the best setups are ones you don't, you forget about, like, you know, they set some right. up, you forget about it, because it's not forced or too heavy handed, you think it's being set up for that scene with the boy. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then you and, completely forget about it. Yep, and then it's not, same with the methane gas, they did the same thing, you're like, okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense that they would mention that, and then there's a line... Uh, when David Arquette first mentions it, when he goes into the mine and the foreman or whatever is like, oh, we, you know, you remember what we taught you. And you're like, oh, OK, that was a payoff for that to show that David Arquette knows about this stuff. No, mm -hmm. that was a payoff. Then in the end of the movie, because they blow up the whole mine shaft and you're like, this movie does a lot of really well done. Like the script is not bad. It's not a bad. It's a pretty well written script. Right. And I think well, and I was just going to say, and, and, and they, they do a great job with setting things up very tastefully to where they don't seem like you're just, oh, OK, that'll come back later. Yeah. And then they come back later and you're like, oh, yeah, they did set that up. And it's really yeah, well done. It's very much. Yeah. And I don't mean this in a bad way at all, because, again, if that's the theme of today's episode, like knowing something's coming or like something being basic is not bad as long right. as it's done well and executed well, you know, and that is. Yeah, I, I didn't really think about that. I thought the taser coming back was a great, like, reveal. Because, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you still haven't done the reading, like, they need to spark a generator. Hey, spoilers. The light system. Yeah, obviously. Watch <laughs> the movie. It's great. You know, like, the spiders are in the mine shafts under town. There's a lot of methane gas in the mines, which is a big reason they were closed down in the first place earlier. David Arquette has smashed some of the lights like the action hero he is. And yep. if they can trigger the electrical system within the mine, it will spark the smashed light bulbs and blow up all of the spiders, yep. with the methane gas, which is a great like, you know, that's a great finale and a great way to, like, eliminate the problem that, like you say, they establish almost right away. Like there's a scene where David Arquette is in the mine with the other miners and he's like, all right, if you smell any methane gas, like, get out of here because it's, mm -hmm. it's in here and it'll, you know, like they, they beat that drum several times. I don't mean this in a bad way. It's very much like screenwriting 101. Like a yeah. lot of movies don't have that. But like you said, I didn't even think about this. But they give you that taser and establish Ashley has it. And I'm watching it the first time through and I'm thinking, OK, so we're going to do that scene where the boyfriend comes on too strong and she's got to defend herself and she has a new respect for her mom now and she's grown as a person. Like that's all fine, but I've yep. seen it before. And then they get it over with and you're like, OK, great, cool. Like let's keep going. That was good. And you think, all right, that was it. That's been established and we're moving on. You don't think the taser is going to come back into play Yep. because you think it's already been paid off. Same thing with the gas. Yep. So, yeah, it's done really well. There's nothing that feels like cheap or unearned, really. I mean, yeah. there's parts of it that are goofy. But like I said, this isn't a movie that this isn't like Sharknado. Like, no. oh, it's so bad. It's good. No, no. Like, it's kind of silly, but it's also genuinely good. But it's Which actually the, it's actually well done. Yeah. Yeah. And they put thought into the gags, too. Yeah. It isn't just something ridiculous happens for this. Well, you know that there's some of that. Sure, sure. But the ridiculous stuff is mostly character moments. Like, you yeah. like these characters 
the character of Harlan is a great addition. Yeah, I'm going to talk about him coming up in a second, but I want to mention this real quick because this takes place at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, The town hall meeting, very first line comes out of the mayor's mouth is, this is a town hall meeting, not the WWF. Yeah, Wrestling connection, (laughs) wrestling connection, just saying, this is a wrestling movie. The only thing this movie is missing is like Jake the Snake playing a crotchety farmer. No, or the only like thing some... that this movie is missing is if it came out in the year 2000 or 2001 and they would have mentioned WCW instead of WWF because <laughs> this is a Warner Brothers movie just like Ready to Rumble. So we already know the WCW connection. But at this point, WCW no longer existed. So they couldn't make that reference anymore. That's the only thing that's missing. Oh, uh, well, that's very... But uh, that I, I love that. I was like, that's that's fantastic. Fantastic. Wrestling movie. Um, also, never trust a mayor with a ponytail. Just right no. off the bat, ever. You just, you don't. Don't do it. He's going to be a bad guy. <laughs> it's just, if a mayor has a ponytail, he did not get voted in normally. Like, he's a bad Ooh. guy. Um, also, after that town hall meeting, when there's kind of the showdown with David Arquette and the mayor... Um, Wade, whatever his other name was, they just always call him Wade. Like his son calls him Wade. It's kind of weird. But, um, uh, and then David Arquette punches him in the face, like, and that's awesome. And then, uh, you know, we get the first interaction with him and, and, and the sheriff who I don't remember what her name was. She's just the sheriff. Sam, I believe. Yeah, 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 that's right. Because you got to have that cool, like, unisex name for a cool, badass yeah, lady Yeah, Sam, Sam is a fantastic girl's name. I'm just going to say, like, that, that's a fantastic <laughs> girl's name. It really is. Because because of what you just said. It makes it seem cool. And you're like, you know it's actually a girl's name because it's Samantha, but then calling it Sam, it, it adds a level of edge to them. At least that's the goal. Um... But uh, then after that, was Scarlet immediately being, like, frisky and trying to, like, play matchmaker with her mom? Like, immediately? She's like, oh, yeah, I saw you checking out his ass. We're like, what? <laughs> well, one, I'm all out for a shout-out to David Arquette's ass, but, like, that seemed like a kind of weird conversation for a mother and daughter to have. <laughs> yeah, but I think that goes to establishing Scarlett Johansson as someone who's, like, an edgy child who's... Sure. She loves her mom. You know, she likes her mom. She's not making fun. You know, she's teasing her mom. But I think it works. It, it's trying to establish her as like just disrespectful enough and edgy enough, you know, and and sets up the, uh, you know, going to get too promiscuous with her boyfriend going forward. I think all of right. that's there. I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that... I did. Th- their whole relationship is very funny because that I think they knew that like Sam and David Arquette's love story was like the most cliche thing they were working with. Yeah. And that's the thing that they play the least straight. It's not that it's not there, but they are always like dancing around it. Well, they get to use David Arquette at his best, which is like Mm -hmm. this kind of weird, kind of a little bit, not the smartest person and just really awkward I mean, it, it's it, it's like a typecast almost for David Arquette at this it's, point. Like, like he's, he's so good at playing it that that kind of became his staple of a lot of his characters because yeah. he just plays it so well. Kind of like Michael J. Fox and a lot of his roles. Ooh, that's where, a good comparison. Because Michael J. Fox is the best awkward actor in the history of, of, of movies, in my opinion. I mean, There's you just take the very first scene where he meets his young mom in the first Back to the Future and you're just like that. That is it. Like that is the gold standard for an actor act, acting in an awkward scene for comedic effect. 
And, and, it, and but David Arquette is also so good at that because he's just so darn cute and believable. That's the thing, man. It's this sweet spot of like sweet and capable if he can just get out of his own way. Like he's just, like mm-hmm. he's a little goofy. You know, like, what you I mean? know, he's and not that's... really dumb, but he's like everyone else where you're just tongue tying. You can't quite talk yeah. to the girl properly and make a fool of yourself. Like that's a, yeah. it's very relatable. So but that's like their entire real, you know, the whole thing is that he's got feelings for her and he's come back and he wants to tell her, but he can't quite get the words out. But like every time they have one of those scenes, it's at like a really inopportune time right. which plays into the comedy. <laughs> they always blow yeah. past it really quickly because yep. you you respect you can tell the filmmakers respect you because they're like, hey, you see this, right? You know what's going on. OK, anyway, keep going. And then the and payoff is moments. perfect. Right. Well, then they have little moments where Scarlett Johansson's like, oh, yeah, you feeling it up, mom? I see you. I see you. And she's like, don't <laughs> don't make it weird. And Scarlett Johansson's like, no, I will make it weird. That's fun for me. I like doing that. Like there's enough other stuff going on and there's enough like winks and nods to the audience that you know that they know that they're not doing anything new. And that makes it a lot yeah. more fun. And then, yeah, do you want to talk about the payoffs? To yeah. Bouncing around. Yeah, anyway? we might as well, because we're talking about that. The payoff is brilliant where he at the very end, they're about to blow the tunnel. They have to get out. And he's like, look, this might be the last chance. I really need to do this because he's been doing that the whole movie. He's like, I need to do yeah. this. And then something happens and he can't do it. And so he's like, no, no, no. I really. And she just goes, no. uh, Yeah, you you beat up my husband because you knew he was cheating on me. You didn't want to tell him because you didn't want to break up my family. And then you left in that. And he's like, oh, yeah, but you've always loved but- me. And then you want to come back. And he's like, well, y- yeah. And she's like, yeah, your dad told me. And <laughs> he was just like, oh, well. Well, that was easy. <laughs> then, you just, yeah. then it's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that, like, again, it's not that it's not played sincerely or done well. Because you like both of these people, and you do kind, you know, you want to see them be together and be happy. But you and the filmmakers, like, both know exactly how this usually goes. Right. So instead of playing it straight, they're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. We know what's going on here. Go blow up the spiders. We'll, yep. you know, make out later. And David Arquette's like, okay, great, let's do it. <laughs> It's such a great payoff to, like I said, what I think is probably the most dangerous element of this movie in terms of like if we play this sincerely, it might just be bad. because It could so unravel cliche. real fast, yeah. Yeah, they handled it very, very well, and that's a lot of fun. There's a lot of self-awareness made with this movie. Like this whole movie was made so self-aware of itself. Yeah. That Can we talk about Harlan now? It's really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I want to talk about Harlan too. But real quick, I want to talk about the cat versus the spider fight inside the wall. Because that was brilliant. That was a brilliant <laughs> scene. Like, what a great way to get around, like, using bad CGI or something. Mm-hmm. Like, that is really well done. And you've got the goofy deputy and his goofy wife just watching this these imprints show up in their wall of the spider versus cat fight. <laughs> Right. And just it was things, hilarious. You're like, what are they doing up there? That was what I thought <laughs> to have such an impact. Like, are they jumping up and down? I don't, it doesn't make sense. No, but you're right. And again, I didn't even fully appreciate this the first time through. Like that's the golden rule, right? Like you just let people's imagination do the work, especially early on. If you don't want to blow the, it's a giant spider reveal yet. Yep. You just let that tension build and you just see their apartment get smashed from the inside out. You're like, oh, yep. that cat's in trouble. That's, yeah, that that's was not good. That was I just that's had a, to, I had to bring up that scene because I was like, that's brilliant. That that's, that's great. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, let's talk about Harland. How he's literally just the first podcaster. 
<laughs> he has a he has a little niche in conspiracy and uh, conspiracy theories and aliens. That's his little niche. He's got a little cult following, and uh, and just co- talks out of his trailer. I mean, that's what we are. He's literally us. Yeah, just, well, you know, twenty say, years ago. If you make this movie in twenty twenty, he's on the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, at for the sure. Of the show, also, you know? more people listen to him than the actual news in this movie, which is kind of foreshadowing to now as well. Oh, geez, that's a great point. This movie's so ahead of its time, man. It, it is. The, the thing that's great about this character is that he is just – he's there to hang a lantern on everything because he's – I mean conspirator- you talk about a stereotypical character. I mean he's like the most obvious cliche of a movie character is the goofy, paranoid, you know, wacko who then oh, yeah. the thing he's been talking about is actually happening. And he almost <laughs> it's it's like <laughs> – past even what he was talking about so like he doesn't even know how to handle it which is even better so he's like thrown he's not the one i mean he does do the kind of i told you so stuff a little bit but it's so past that where even he's like wait wait what and it's it's such a great it's such a great way to make that character more interesting yeah yeah like if you saw independence day and you thought the pilot character who was abducted by aliens Right. Was a little too subtle. Then Harlan is the character for you. Like it's the. But throughout the entire. He's the one who's like, what is happening? It's alien. like he thinks it's aliens because right. he's been talking about the alien apocalypse for forever. He's he's terrified of getting probed by the spiders like he can't quite handle the unreality in front of him. But like as goofy and as weird as he is, everything that he does in this movie is the filmmakers like letting you know that they know they're in on it. Yeah. That's why that character really works. Cause he prevents the movie from taking itself too seriously. Yep. And that's exactly. what I love about it. Yeah. Just that first thing when, uh, you know, the spiders are invading and, and, and Sam and, and, and David Arquette, they have to come and they're like, Oh, the phones are down. <clears throat> Cause of course they are. Cause we saw the phone line get blown up with the tank truck. And, uh, and then he, so they have to like, Oh, we can get it on the radio and they go to him and, and he just, and they're just like giant spiders are attacking, and he's just like, "Wait, what? No, you're ridi- you're ridiculous!" And David O'Kitch goes, "Space aliens, you believe? But this, you have a hard time with? Like, that's yeah. fantastic. It's oh, it's so great, and I do. I love that everyone in the town listens to him all the time. Right? That's a great little old timey touch. I feel like, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, whatever." Now, I will tell you, the thing I thought made the least amount of sense in this movie is when. You know, they go see Harlan, they commandeer his radio station, they broadcast the emergency signal, and the sheriff, who is, like, good at her job and is portrayed very, like, responsible, you know, as a responsible and capable person, is like, right, everyone, there's giant spiders attacking the city, I'm going to need you all to panic, leave your homes and places (laughs) of shelter, and run to the only place that we know is safe, which is the shopping mall. And then it's just, it's like 30, maybe not 30 minutes, but like... 10 straight minutes of absolute chaos as the entire town runs out into the street and like 60 to 70% of them get eaten by spiders. Yep. (laughs) I was like, that was not a good move. No, I'll allow that you make some poor decisions under duress, but I feel like the solution is get your guns and hunker down because there's big spiders outside. Not everybody flee your homes, run into the streets. Also, is it just me or do, are people a lot less freaked out by spiders in this movie than they would be in real life? Like, I feel like people are surprisingly calm a lot of times in this movie. Like, when the spider comes into Scarlett Johansson's bedroom, 
she's way too calm during that entire scene and then afterwards. Like, she's unfazed after that. It's like, that would be some massive PTSD going here. And you probably wouldn't be able to function for, like, at least a month after something like that happened. Yeah, like... She's like, fine. The people react to the invasion of giant spiders the same way they would if, like a pack of coyotes came into the town like, oh, this is a problem. (laughs) But also we can conceptualize that this exists. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they know there's giant spiders in this world. There's nobody who just loses their mind completely and is like broken down, which, you know, is is why they're not playing it for a straight horror movie. I suppose you see a little bit more of that. It's not like a Night of the Living Dead sort of situation where there's a lot of reflection or you know, yeah, awe but, pondering on the state of mankind, or anything but it like is that. like Dawn of the Dead because they just go straight to the mall and then <laughs> the we mall, just have exactly. the whole they final like, thing what? in the mall, and we're just like, you know what, we're just gonna do Dawn of the Dead with spiders instead of zombies, and that's I fine. know, and that's why that decision works because you're it like, ah, oh, they're doing the shopping mall thing. All right, all right, let's go. <laughs> well, because a shopping mall is just such an interesting place because there's so many things in there, and you can do exactly. so much with it. Like, I totally get it, it's fine. And then, you know, she's literally just like, all right, everybody arm yourselves we're gonna fight the spiders in a shopping mall and they're all like okay yeah sure you know my wife and children are dead that's fine don't care about that we're gonna go put on a jason mask and (laughs) grab a chainsaw and fight these spiders i i do love another great thing with this movie is the score implementing ominous versions of itsy bitsy spider whenever spiders (laughs) are about to attack like that's just brilliant the score i'm glad you said that because i probably would have forgotten the score i think outside of David Arquette is probably the MVP of this movie because it's because it, it fits the mood like it's it's never it's, it's never taken itself too seriously it's always no. kind of lighthearted or kind of this or it always diffuses kind of a potentially heavy situation like it just mm-hmm. it, it, it it yeah i agree it's there done are a lot really of well where it's just straight up goofy like yeah. it's just straight even up during like, like spider attacks it'll have like yeah. this kind of goofy feel as they're running away or something like that like Danny Elfman, like a parody of a Danny Elfman score. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. It's a lot of fun. It's it's all very good. So in case, like, in case it wasn't abundantly clear at this point, I feel like the scene in the mall where the spiders are coming in and it's played like, I don't know, like Lord of the Rings meets the Goonies or something. Like they're all standing there behind the door, <laughs> and she's almost like she doesn't say it, but she might as well be like, hold. Yeah. And they've got their weapons that they scavenge from like different parts of the mall. And then the spiders burst in and like overwhelm them. And it's just it's so goofy, but it's so fun at the same time. It's the best. Like like you said, like the the Dawn of the Dead is the one in the shopping mall. Right. Right. Like, hey, here's a horrific situation and we're going to have some fun with it. And that's exactly what they do. It's. Oh, it's, speaking, it's a blast. Speaking of sound, why do the spiders all sound like Jawas? Oh, I was going to say, like, they roar and stuff. Like they're yeah, rawr, yeah, Well, rawr. they do, but but the normal spiders are, like, going, like, all the time. It's, like, see, it's so weird. I, it's such a weird is, sound to use for weird. spiders. It's weird, but, like, I was making fun of the trapdoor spider, and then I was like, no, wait, that probably is, like if spiders were actually the size of cars in real life, like this would be a problem and they would hunt us in that way. Right. But why do they so, sound like, like Jawas? That's all I want to know. 
I don't know what noise spiders make. Maybe they sound like that. Maybe I they doubt would. it. I don't know. It's not like, you know, it reminded me of Jaws. I think it's Jaws the Revenge, maybe. There's a moment where the shark surfaces and goes, It's not like that, because we know sharks don't do that. We don't know that spiders don't sound like Jawas. Who's to say? I just... I was fine I, I, you know, it didn't, it wasn't like a, a big, a red flag or anything, but I was just like, it, it sounded so goofy whenever they would do that. And it's like, is that just another way of them just trying to make this more lighthearted, making them sound ridiculous? Like I have, I don't know, probably, um, I, don't you love, don't you miss another thing I want to talk about with the, you know, the, the final act. Um, don't you remember when cell phones were such a novel thing? Does anyone have a cell phone? Oh, yes. How lucky. Someone has a cell phone. But, of course, it doesn't work in the mall. It only works on the roof. Sounds like me here in Sterling. You know, it's like... (laughs) Remember when that used to be a plot device? You can't get away with that now. That's what... That's what makes this movie so Cause great. Because even if the cell phone signal like doesn't a... work, the mall has Wi-Fi, and you could still get, you know, you could still get a thing out. So right. I do love so like that. The, the big push of the third act is like while people are fleeing from the spiders, and eventually they try to escape through the mines, you know, because the shopping mall, like everything else in this town, is connected to the mines. Sure, of course. Like in the basement, if you just go into the basement, there's a big tunnel. It's great. Yep. You can. The people are trying to escape through the mall and then out through the mines. But they're also trying to contact the military because this is clearly not they a situation you can yeah. handle on their own. Yeah, they need help. Like you you make this movie today and people are like streaming the spider <laughs> attacks live on Twitter. And within like 15 minutes, the National Guard rolls up. Right. That's what makes this movie work and feel like a throwback because in 2002, it's the same situation as like you could you can make this movie in the 80s and it's the same they're just like we have a ham radio and we need to get to the roof like whatever it works yeah because it's just restrictive enough for this to be a real problem and then you get what i think is maybe the highlight like the high point of this movie which is david arquette and harlan yes yes it is yeah i have a lot to talk about with this i want to sit here for a minute um first off you know, they get to the roof and the whole thing is they got to get up to the top of the, the radio tower because that's the only place mm-hmm. they can get a, a signal over the mountains. Um, Dave, I love. So they're getting up there and then David Arquette's like, hey, give me the phone. And he's like, I don't have the phone. It's like, I thought you had the phone. <laughs> and then he just op- reaches in his pocket. He's like, oh, no, I have it. I got confused. And I was like, what was the point of that scene? But it was absolutely perfect. And I died laughing. It's the most – it's a great David Arquette moment. It is isn't a just perfect that. He's David like, Arquette do you moment. have the phone? And Harlan's like, what? I thought you had the phone. And David Arquette goes, what? And then he checks his pocket and he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah, no, I do have And he literally just goes, oh, I got confused. And then and then he starts going and I was like, that was the most unnecessary thing that just happened. But I died laughing. Absolutely. And then, Absolutely. And then, and then so he starts to climb up to the thing. The spiders start to get to the roof. He's climbing up and uh, – he gets he gets to scream the title. Get back! And of course, that's just the quote of the movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. But did you know this, Harris? Apparently, this line was improvised. He improvised that line. Th- that was not the movie <laughs> title. The movie title was going to be Iraq Attack, which is what the kid says uh, when he's watching the spiders in the case, uh, when the 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 trapdoor spiders or whatever. And then he's huh. like, oh, a rack attack. That's why he says that. And you're like, that's kind of a dumb thing to say. But that's why, because that was the movie title. But wow. David Arquette just improvised eight-legged freaks. And 
they liked it so much that they then called the movie that. That's a David much better title. titled this movie. That oh, he's the best. He's the gift that keeps on giving, man. Here's the thing, like that's one, what a weird line to improvise. Like people don't really talk that way. And that's how you can tell that he like loves old Hollywood and grew up watching movies like this. Yep. That's a better title. It is. That's a much better job of like pointing out that this is goofy, but like subtly in a way that like the melodrama adds to it. A rack attack is too much like Sharknado. Like it's yeah. too much of a gimmick. It doesn't work. That's a really, really good title for this movie. Yep. That's incredible. All David Arquette I'm, improvised with that wow. line, which is awesome. And also we have my favorite line of the entire movie, which is so he's up on the top of the tower. Now he makes the phone call and of course they don't believe him. And uh because it sounds ridiculous. And so to be honest, that entire subplot was completely worthless. Cause then at the end the cavalry shows up because they hurt they listened to him on the radio. So it had nothing to do with the phone call. But um it doesn't matter because it's still the best part of the movie. But then Harlan is like running away from these spiders and he, David Arquette's like, come on, you got to get up here. And he's like, I'm afraid of heights. And David Arquette <laughs> goes, are you afraid of spiders? <laughs> Harlan, get up here. I'm afraid of heights. Are you afraid of spiders? And that is the best line of this really? entire movie. And I had to rewind it three times. Because I kept laughing so hard. Because David Arquette just... Go- that, that, this is the thing. David Arquette's character is the most real character maybe in any movie ever. Because everything he says is something any normal person would say in any... In all these ridiculous situations. Like 100%. He's just... just that, that, that just killed me. It's just, are you afraid of spiders? Like, there's a million giant spiders... Trying to eat you, and you're afraid. It, it, it's a throwback to me, and uh, the best li- one of the other best one of the best movie lines of all time, with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, with Paul Newman and Robert Redford when they're running away, and they're they get to this waterfall, like this edge of this cliff, and they're trying to get you know they're trying to get away from uh, I forgot who was chasing him, and uh, they're like we're and Paul Newman's like we're gonna have to jump, and Robert Redford's like no no I. I can't do it. It's like, why? And he doesn't want to tell him. And he's like, come on, why? And he finally goes, I can't swim. And it's like a hundred foot drop. And Paul Newman just starts laughing. And he just goes, can't swim. The fall will probably kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and this to me is like a throwback to that, to that type of line, which is just so perfect and just so well done and so well delivered the timing is perfect it's it's my favorite line of this movie well and speaking of the fall will probably kill you what happens to harlan next what does he choose to do (laughs) as his next move jump off the building yep (laughs) Yep. (laughs) for some reason it's like that's fine they're not gonna get him he's afraid of heights but he'll jump off the building sure incredible survive sure. the fall by the way yeah he's fine he's fine yeah it's a real it's like an aim for the bushes moment he just it is <laughs> but he does and he pulls it off and he's he finds himself back with now this is somebody i want to spend a brief amount of time on with the sheriff's deputy sam's deputy yeah this is a very interesting character to me because you get to see the david arquette deputy character 
in a movie that isn't played by David Arquette. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. that that's that's that exactly is, right. He's just he's the bumbling, like means well, but is worthless without his superior telling him exactly what to do. He's just he's Dewey. He's just Dewey. He's just a different Dewey. And, Kinda, he's, you know, yeah. he's the one running the errands and he's the one with the wisecracks that are like he's playing completely seriously. There's a great moment. I think it's when they're fleeing into the mall. Correct me if I'm wrong. But they're, you know, they're under attack and they're on the run. They're on the back foot. They're confronted with a giant spider that they kill. And the mayor that, you know, the corrupt yeah. mayor with the ponytail and the bad teeth says, what was that thing? And the deputy goes, it was a spider, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great line. Yeah, it was. It's a great it a line. Of, hang on. We, we can get to the quotes in a second, but since I'm talking about this character, I want to go ahead and point it out now. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. So Deputy Pete's this guy's name. And there's a bit where, you know, where Sam, the, the sheriff, the hero, you know, the, the hero, the action hero character in this movie, his boss. It's like, I need you to get all the guns we have and get out to my place, you know, because we're going to fight these spiders. And he comes rolling up with like like an armful of guns, basically. Like it, it's yeah. not quite an armful, but it's about that comedic. And he says Winchester, 30.6, Mossberg pump, and the Lee Harvey Oswald rifle. Why we have that, I do not know. Which, which also, apparently that's not even the same rifle <laughs> as Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, like it's not even the same model. So it doesn't really make any right. sense. <laughs> and like the first time I thought about it. I was like, okay, that must be like the same caliber, and that's funny. But now reading the quote, I like to imagine that they in that town somehow had the actual one that got like pilfered from a you know warehouse somewhere, <laughs> and it's the actual Lee Harvey Oswald rifle. And he's like, huh, should probably call somebody about that. Anyway, no time now, spiders. Like that's this guy's role in uh, that's the movie, funny. and it's brilliant. It's just funny. To, like I said, it's funny to see that David Arquette archetype that you know, deputy doofy, as he says, he's still called because of the scary movie character. Like it's, it's that it's just not him. Like David Arquette is playing a completely different person and that's yeah. a ton of fun. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, so, so at the end they, they, you know, they get into the, the, uh, the, the tunnels and everything and they're about to escape. And then David Arquette is like, wait, I need to check to see if Gladys is is still alive. Well, first they 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 find the mayor alive, and then he finds Gladys alive, and then just immediately leaves. Like, didn't even try nope. and see nope. if anyone nope. else was alive. Nope. It's just these are the only two people. Really, that's Which, it. Only two people. They, they, the they, like, they they wrap all these people up alive. And earlier in a scene, we saw like a bunch of people moving around, and now just that's it. There's just two. That that's all. No need to bother checking. And then at the end of the movie, he has the gall to suggest when the cavalry shows up, he's like, these are the, you know, she was the only one alive. I checked everyone else. Like, no, you didn't. You checked like two people and then you found her and then left. I was like, I'm so glad you pointed that out because I didn't even think about it. But it feels like, first of all, you get to the end of this movie and that feels a little cheap. You're like, how is she still alive? Yeah. But again, they thought about the booking of the spiders very seriously, and they establish in the first act, they're like, yeah, the orb weavers will, like, capture their prey. Right. And the males will bring it back to the female because she likes to eat them alive. Right. Like, oh, okay. I completely forgot about that until you get to the end of the movie, and you're like, oh, right. This is just how the spiders actually hunt. 
But like the yet, only difference is they're bigger now. It's not a cheap plot device. No, but there should have been more people alive. Yeah, like they established it. So you're like, oh, yeah, they're just in, you know, stasis, basically. Like they're wrapped up, but they can breathe and they're just in there waiting to be eaten. I can. I didn't even think about this, but you're completely right. David Arquette goes to get his aunt, gets her and is like, all right, we're out. All right, we're good. <laughs> and then he has the goal at the end to be like, no, no one else was alive. It's like, you, you little cheap. He saves, so he saves. That's his Gladys. one questionable, uh, questionable uh, character moment there. Oh, that's such a great moment, though. And to be fair, like the female orb weaver is like the final boss of this movie. Sure. Confronts David Arquette. David Arquette has to hop on, <laughs> has to hop on him. Well, wait, what happens which... before that? How does well, he get away so... from the giant spider? So you want to talk about your uh, your planting and your payoff, right? Film school one oh one. There's a moment in the shopping mall because, you know, everything you need is in the shopping mall. Right. Uh, where the kid hands each of them a little bottle of perfume. And they're like, all right, really? We're going to what, what is this for? And he's like, no, spiders have a really strong sense of smell. You can probably use this to confuse them, which, again, seems ridiculous. Yeah. That tracks like, yeah, I guess it, it sure. makes sense. Like, it's ridiculous, but it makes sense. So now they're in, in, in the bowels of the mall, on the run from the uh, female orb weaver. Everyone else has fled the mines. At this point, they're trying to kickstart the generator, which we've already established. David Arquette is is freeing, uh, is freeing his friend Gladys, his aunt, I think. doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know. And they're confronted and caught by the giant female orb weaver. Basically it's very Two Towers. Did this come out before or after the Two Towers? Because if it's before, that is a this, heck of a coincidence. This uh, was right around the same time. Yeah. Because, let's see, I think Fellowship came out in 2001. And then they filmed all three of them together. So I yeah. I think they did them each year, if I'm not a, not mistaken. Maybe it was every two years. I don't remember. Yeah. So, But if it was every year, then Two Towers would have come out in 2002. I think it did come out in 2002. I, I think wow, so. Was- I think they came out the same year. That's could be weird. Wrong, but I think but anyway, so you know, they're confronted by the spider and your first thought is, well, we've been blasting these things with guns the entire movie. Let's do that. But you yes, can't it did. It came out in 2002. Amazing. So they came out the same year. Pretty crazy. 2002. Top year for spiders. Year of the spider. Year of the arachnid. Spider-Man came out that year, too. Crazy. 2002, man. That was the year of the arachnid. <laughs> That's so weird. Again, okay, the board with the string is back out. We're putting it all together. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of threads with this movie. There's a there's a sticky note that just says nine eleven question mark on there. <laughs> We're trying to figure out what that has to do Again, with spiders hey, coming in the, the next year. The death of JFK. We have the Lee Harvey Oswald rifle in here too, man. Man, <laughs> dude, how deep does this go? Wow, I'm scared. Anyway. Oh, man. So you're planting in your payoff. You can't shoot the giant female orb weaver because now we're deep in the mines with all the methane gas. And Another a good payoff. Spark could blow up the mines. And right. that's the entire point of the end game, right? Like he smashed a few of the light bulbs. Yep. As soon as they can trigger the lighting system on the outside, that'll blow up the methane gas. But the immediate consequence of that is we can't shoot the spider. Yeah. So what do we do as the spider has them caught on the ropes, if you will, moving in for their uh, for their finishing move, if you will? Well, you counter, Mark. You counter with the perfume. Yep. Right yep. in the face. Yep. And it's 
is it the most ridiculous shot of this entire film? I can't yes. think of anything. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. 100%. Like, imagine if, let's talk about the two towers. Imagine if you have that same scene and Sam is standing there, you know, with the light in one hand and Sting in the other. And Frodo. then he puts Sting down and pulls out a water pistol and just kind of <laughs> and squirts Shelob with it. That's what happens in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. And the spider's like, blah, blah, blah. yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they escape. Yep. I also love how the spider like reacts like a human would in that yeah. situation. Like if you got like, sprayed yeah. in the face, you'd just be like, blah, blah, blah. like that's what the spider does. <laughs> <laughs> and then because it's 2002, the only thing more 2002 than spiders is a uh, extreme sports and BMX bikes. They hop. Yeah, on there's a, a lot in this movie. And peel out of there. There's a lot. There, there's there's a lot of BMX, you know, or not BMX. There, there's a lot of motocross um, stuff because mm-hmm. again, we're, it's 2002, and that was, you know, that was the time period of the X Games. Yeah. So, and this is, I, I think we're getting to the point where we can wrap up the plot and just talk about quotes because that's what I. If you have any of your favorite quotes or other moments, we can transition into that. But so they peel out. The spiders chasing them the whole way. It's like you know. It's like the end of Star Wars when they got to escape the Death Star in episode six. It's a race against time. Outside, they find the generator. Ashley has the taser that provides the spark. Yep. They fire up the generator. The mines and the mall, for good measure, explode in a spectacular, really not bad CGI fireball. No, it's not bad. And then the army shows up. Yeah, useless bunch of morons you talk about oh, the most useless thing to incredible. ever happen in a movie Don't you're like oh now great. you show up you little twerps once again could have been played completely straight they show up with harlan and the deputy in tow because they somehow escaped the spiders on the outside of the mall disappeared for like the final 30 minutes of the movie and went and got help well no they say they they know about this because they listened to harlan's show Right, but how did they link up with Harlan? Like I don't they know. They had to go find them at some point. It's never explained. No, it's not. <laughs> it just it just happened, and we don't and need you now. Why are you showing up? We blew up the spiders. Go away. Oh, but they're hilarious. Like they, they they're not just the cavalry showing up, and then the movie ends. I mean, that is what happens. You know, and David Arquette and Sam are together, and it's very sweet. But there's also. Yeah, like there's this great throwaway line where David Arquette's like, "Yeah, I got Gladys out, but." Nobody else survived. I checked all the other cocoons. Yeah, nobody survived else. because you blew up the mine shaft. Yep, they blew up the mine shaft. But he delivers that line, which, yeah, I, I'm maybe he thought was true because he seems to be a nice dude. Pretty sure there were a lot of people that just got blown there up. There definitely like, are a lot of people that were still alive. That's for sure. But he's like, yeah, I checked all the other cocoons. And the guy says, there's cocoons? <laughs> oh sweet guys there's cocoons it was worth the drive and they go running off and i just love that the implication that which again was not necessary like it's another great little wink and a nod from the filmmakers like hey we know it's a little silly that these guys just showed up at the last minute so i love the implication that these cops like all these armed state patrol cops are like yeah, we just wanted to see some giant spiders, man. We didn't even question that. We're just like, are you serious? Let's go. And they peeled out like, you know, the riders of Rohan or something. They're just like, yeah, let's do it and rode off. And they storm into the mines like just to see some giant spiders like they're super into that. Yep. Yep. Uh, also, moment. though, they do in the movie where it seems like they're suggesting a sequel, possibly. 
with Harlan's uh, final thing. Now, apparently there was a plan for mm. a sequel, but it got scrapped for some reason before it ever got in development. I, I would have watched it. I would have definitely watched it. Maybe they'll make it now. We'll, yeah, why not? This podcast will start the cult following for this movie. And I mean, we'll look, a sequel would be absolutely horrible. There's no question about it. <laughs> it would be absolutely terrible. It would be one of the worst sequels ever made. But I still would watch it if it had David Arquette in it. So, really I mean, we've watched that. we've watched worse movies with David Arquette in it. Let's oh, be yeah, perfectly absolutely. honest. I mean, Mobtown was horrible. David, we love you so much, but that you were you were fine. That movie was just awful. Um, so you know, it, it would be better than that. That's for sure. But. <laughs> Anyway, um, I have a few, uh, I have some stats for this movie. Excellent. A couple of things. Um, it came out in July of 2002, had a $30 million budget. So kind of a mid, you know, a mid to, you know, upper mid budget. Hmm. It made, uh, almost $46 million, $45.8 million worldwide. So, you know, not nothing great, but it did, it did okay. It did okay. Um, it's it really has gotten slammed as far as ratings go, which I think is mm-hmm. very uh, I think it's massively underappreciated. It has a 5.4 on IMDb, a 48% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and then an even lower 32% audience score, which that shocked me. That shocked me as well. Uh Letterboxd a 2.5 rating and then on a 53 on Metacritic. So basically everything is somewhere around 50% or or a little bit lower. For, for the most part, which I think is vastly unwarranted. And I think people are watching this movie wrong. I think you're right. And this is kind of we touched on this a little bit. I think it works a lot better 20 years on because it Maybe. is a throwback movie. And now watching it, it feels even more like a throwback movie. Like I said at the beginning, I think if they had set this in the 80s, I, I think it puts you in the right state of mind to watch something that is yeah, very much that's meant fair. to be a tribute to older movies. And it works really well now. I can see if you're going to see it, expecting it to be like, I don't know what a good horror movie that came out in 2002 was. Yeah, I don't. But if you're, if you're trying to, t- if you think it's like The Ring or something, like you're trying to take it seriously, like it's not that. Right. But it's not supposed to be. It knows mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be and it does it very well. Yep. Yeah, it does. I, I completely agree. And I, I, I just, yeah, I just think, I just think people, people for some reason are just, they, they watch this movie with the wrong, with the wrong idea of what it, what it is supposed to be. Um, and I do think, I, I think that's a fair point with, if this had been made as a, uh, period piece type movie, it, it would be, it would have maybe gone over a little bit better than being a modern day movie movie at the time with kind of the with just the tone and, and what it's homaging and and all of that mm-hmm. stuff that i think that's a fair i think that's a fair point but but and i agree it definitely works now you know what this kind of reminds me of in a weird way and not exactly but kind of the way the 66 batman show has aged mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's it's not the same because it's obviously different but it's that same level of it's it's a goofy comedy but it's taken completely seriously, and that's where the comedy comes from. Because it's this goofy world that everyone takes seriously. And I can see how that maybe didn't work a few, you know, a, a decade or so, a couple decades after. Because in the 80s, the Batman show just got absolutely trashed. Like, people just started hating it and making fun of it, saying it ruined mm-hmm. the character and all this stuff. Which just shows how misguided people were at the time. 
but mm-hmm. uh and now everyone is able to actually respect how good of a comedy show that was because of what they were able to pull off and it, it, it the tone reminds me even though i think this is <laughs> it sounds ridiculous but this movie's actually a little bit more serious than that than the batman show but it's that same type of thing where it's taken itself seriously but that's part of the charm of it yeah and, I and mean, it's, it's easier looking, to see now looking at the poster should tell you everything you need to know about this movie because it's it's just a big spider a woman screaming and David Arquette going like, ah, <laughs> and that's like, it's, it's straight out of the fifties. Like that's yep. clearly what it is. No posters in 2002 looked like this. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I think it's a shame, man. I think we got to get people back onto this movie much like we, we, we have successfully, I think gotten people back into David Arquette. I think we can take credit. For yeah. That, that was it's definitely mostly us. It's definitely, it's definitely us. That's for sure. 100%. Full, full stop. It's not true at all, but, um, but we are a part of it. That's we definitely were, were part of the first ever, uh, people to really, to really start championing, uh, his return. Cause I mean, again, we started this whole podcast right before he returned to wrestling. Like he literally returned to wrestling in the summer of 2018. And we started this podcast in February of 2018. So, and then by episode three was our David Arquette episode. And then episode four was unexpected David Arquette. And that's when he became our patron saint. So that did happen before he had uh, officially come out as returning uh, to wrestling. I mean, I know he had done the training stuff. Obviously, we saw that from the documentary. But, you know, his first kind of coming out was his match with RJ City. And I think July of 2018, June or July of 2018 Mm -hmm. that was like his first like you know televised you know return return kind of to the wrestling independence so and that was uh that was a little bit after we we started with uh with our stuff so that's right so next on the list i think is ready to rumble like the sequel (laughs) and also we yeah listen to that podcast we had a whole podcast where we had a brilliant pitch for a ready to rumble uh movie a sequel to, Mm -hmm. to ready to rumble so, and I think, so I think, we, I think we, we, you can hear us work out a few different scenarios and I feel like we came up with, with a solid plot to a ready to rumble. So we're not going to talk about that here cause you got to go back and listen to that episode, but go check that out. The, uh, the, the ready to rumble pitch that we had for, that was from, I don't know, a year ago or a few months ago, whenever, or a few months ago, whenever that was beginning of the year. And, uh. No, no, that's really all I have about uh, Eight-Legged Freaks, Harris. I think that's about all I got, too. I had a blast watching this movie. I, yeah. Uh, My I dad wasn't... likes this movie more than Scream. Let's just, let's that's just say that. First I, all, let, look, I, I, this movie. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> like, Scream is an actual masterpiece. But uh, but <laughs> ju- just, just for a little hint of how good this movie actually is, I was surprised my dad liked it. Actually, I wasn't. Because my dad likes David Arquette. My dad liked David Arquette before I did. Let's be fair. We need to give credit where credit's due. My dad has been mm. a David Arquette fan long before we became big David Arquette fans. Like, my dad was an OG David Arquette fan. My dad didn't even hate it when he became the champion because he understood what was going on at the time. A- again, it was dumb, of course, and it was not a good <laughs> idea. We all know this. But my dad understood what was going on. He's like, 
this is a huge wrestling fan who gets to be cha- like who would not do that like right you know, he even understood that at the time and he's always loved ready to rumble i mean he's the one who showed me ready to rumble back in the day i mean i grew up with that movie so let's get you know shout out to my dad mark cochran senior because he was kind of the og david arquette fan and we you know so it did not surprise me my dad finally watched this movie like last week for the first time because he just had all these horror movies and mm-hmm. uh was watching them and and he loved it so that did not surprise me because my dad appreciates this type of stuff excellent excellent put david arquette in more movies i think that's the big takeaway. yes yes Make the two sequels that we proposed and also just put him in more things yeah ready to ready to rumble and a uh eight-legged freaks part two uh, we're already making a Scream Part 5, which I don't know how I feel about because I did not enjoy Scream 4 at all. I like the first three, but 4 was... Eh, eh. Yeah, we're probably going to have to watch that to report on the day. Oh, we're we're definitely... We're going to have to watch what? Scream 5. Oh, yeah, whenever it comes out in like four years, whenever movies yeah. are finally able to, to be made and released. <laughs> Wait, oh, no, we'll, we'll definitely do a whole... We'll do a whole thing on that when it comes out, obviously. I mean, we did one on Mob Town. We have to, you know... We kind of have to do. I think we've missed. We actually have missed a couple of David Arquette movies, but I don't think they're like David Arquette starring movies. I think right. Mobtown was really the last one that he starred in. He's been in several because I know he has that production company, so I know he's been had a hand in producing with him and he him has... and his wife Christina because they had that twelve-hour shift movie that came out. But again, he's not the star. And there was right. that what is it? Uh, uh, that uh, one with the dude from Stranger Things in it. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. That one, but again, he's not the star, so right. we kind of stick to the starring David Arquette roles mm-hmm. for you know for the, for the most part. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, David Arquette. Yeah, put David Arquette as the star in another movie, Hollywood. Come on, you have no excuse right now. You're making nothing right now. So come on, it's the perfect time for David Arquette to come back. The uh, the you cannot kill David Arquette is up for. Uh, some uh, some some awards. I don't remember if it was a Critics' Choice Awards or what is like best sports documentary. It's up for something I heard recently. So that's good. That's a good sign. That movie keeps getting traction, man. We need we need yeah. that to keep uh, to keep to keep winning awards. Oh, absolutely, and it should. It's a great movie. It it truly is. It's an outstanding movie. Okay, yeah, Critics' Choice Awards best sports documentary nominee. I don't know when that comes out, though. I don't know when those are, are released, but that's pretty big. Yeah, man, I don't know when anything happens anymore. Time isn't real. Yeah, but uh, but shout out. Yeah, if you haven't seen You Cannot Kill David Arquette, the wrestling documentary, please, please do yourself a favor and watch that because it's just, it's brilliant. It's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, and, and not even just because it's David Arquette. Like, it's actually really well done. And again, we had a whole podcast where we talked all about that, so we talked about the entire movie in its entirety but uh yeah that's all i got harris you got any uh final thoughts i think i'm good man go watch it if you listen to all this and somehow didn't it is a lot of fun it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun so yeah that'll do it for this episode of behind the gorilla make sure and check us out on twitter at behind underscore gorilla and on instagram at behind underscore gorilla post a lot of david arquette stuff and and random other wrestling things that are going on and of course put the links to all the shows um go back and listen to our other episodes um, you can find them on any podcast platform. I guess that's how you found this one, so I guess you know that already. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Markbrand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So do that as well. And yeah, 
Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back uh, next time with a uh, back with a wrestling, a dumb wrestling topic. So stay tuned for that. Hope you guys have a uh, wonderful rest of your week, and we will talk to you next time. Yeah.